Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. How are we doing on this sunny Sunday? Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Joe, and it's a privilege to serve here on the Dream Team and to be continuing our summer series called Summer Stories. And what this series is all about is we're looking at parables of Jesus while he was on earth. Um, and some of you may be asking, what is a parable? Maybe this is the first time you're hearing the word parable. And what parables are, are a, they are an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Um, so these parables that we've been discussing over the last few weeks have been all about learning about the kingdom of God, God's values, and God's principles. Um, and a prayer that we've been saying each week before we begin is a prayer that says, Jesus, give me ears to hear. And the reason we're saying this prayer is if we're not listening, um, we might hear the story, the earthly story, but we may miss the heavenly kingdom principle. So I would love everyone to say this together. Jesus, give me ears to hear. Jesus, give me ears to hear. Amen. So I have a question, pretty easy question for you to start off this morning. Um, who here has some form of social media? Facebook, MySpace, TikTok, LinkedIn? I I'm counting LinkedIn as, as social media, Twitter. Um, I know that I have a, I have a few. Um, and have you ever noticed that maybe with your friends, family, or acquaintances, um, you've seen people act a lot differently on social media than how they may act in front of you in person, um, you know, come on, let's be honest here. Uh, maybe you know someone where, you know, what they write online in their social posts don't really match to how they really operate day to day. Let me give you some examples. Someone shouting their opinions over and over again about a topic, but in person they're reserved, quiet, non-confrontational, or, or maybe you're on vacation, Disney, or some really cool place, and you see a family fighting each other, but then they come in front of like a cool landmark, and then they snap into social mode, and they take the photo, and then they go on their ways just bickering and fighting. Um, <laughs> or maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you've seen this or <clears throat> been a part of this. Um, the infamous comment battle. I know I pull up a seat when that happens. Um, maybe someone has a post and there's a comment battle going on between people and they're debating about something, but you're like, I don't know if they, were, if they weren't hiding behind their keyboards, I'm not necessarily sure they would be saying what they're saying right now online. And listen, I'm not just beating up on, on any of you that may have done this, I am guilty of this. Rewind almost 10 years ago, I was living in Queens, New York. I was commuting into Manhattan for work. Um, and I was always with my phone being like, oh, what can I take a photo of that's going to make me look really cool? Like, what's going to make me look like I am like a really cool guy? Um, but, you know, I acted one way online, but I didn't really reflect how I acted in person. To give you an example, on the subway one time, I'm waiting for the train, um, and I found myself crouching, taking a photo, and I don't, if people saw this, they were probably like, what is he doing? I took a photo of a rusty lock and posted it on my Instagram. 
Um, and you're probably like, really, Joe, did you do it? I've brought photographic proof and evidence. Um, <laughs> this was like 2013. Let me break down this photo for a second. Just in, just in case you weren't sure what the photo was about, I captioned it, Rusty Lock. Um, <laughs> but more than that, um, notice that my wife was immediately just ha-ha, because she knew that I was just like, trying to act really cool when I really had no interest in taking pictures of rusty locks. I, who knows what I was doing? But in, in all seriousness, this can extend far beyond our social feeds and social media. Throughout our lives in spiritual walk with God, we may believe one way, but then act another way. For example, we may find ourselves saying, you know, God, I trust you through the storm, but then we're clinging to our earthly belongings and possessions in time of crisis. Or, God, you provide all that I need, but then we're working ourselves tirelessly for the promotion. Or maybe for you this morning, you're not sure how to believe and how that pairs with your actions. And I can relate to some of these examples, because I, I do believe what we just sang earlier. He is our way maker, our miracle worker, our promise keeper. Um, but I've come to ask myself sometimes, are my actions always matching the way that I believe? You know, how can I know what I claim to believe is actually what I do believe? What is the evidence or the proof that I believe in Jesus? Not just a a name Christian that I put on like a label, but an actual Christian by nature. And well, I'm really excited this morning because the next parable that we're going to read is about kindness and, and mercy. And as I said earlier, all of these parables are about the kingdom of heaven, but this parable also shows us important truths about our beliefs, our actions, and the heart of God. So I'm going to turn to Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. Jesus starts the parable off by saying, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So, for those who were hearing this at the time would have understood this analogy of separating the sheeps and the goats. They would have understood that. But for those of us in the room who are not shepherds in the year 2022, let me explain to you what this analogy was. Back then, sheeps and goats would graze together in the fields. But then when it came time for the shepherds to shear the sheep's wool, they would separate the sheeps and the goats. So you're like, Joe, what does that mean? Thanks for the history lesson. Um, Jesus is using this to explain that a time will come where we, we will be separated in one of two groups. There will come a day of judgment when we're either having to spend eternity with God or have eternal separation from God. And this is not a popular topic when most people, even even unbelievers or people don't who don't know about Jesus, when they think of the afterlife, they think about being in the afterlife in in good terms. People cannot imagine a God of judgment, um, and and this is not the only time that Jesus mentions this 
in the Bible or in, in parables. Um, but, I mean, a, a question for you. How many people would say that we live in a world where evil exists? Um, and what we believe here as Christians who, who are faithful to the Lord, that there will come a day when God will judge sin. But for us, that's good news because we believe what Scripture says, that Jesus paid the price for us for our sins so that when we repent and that we, we surrender to the Lord, we, we don't need to be judged for our sins. So how does this parable apply to us who are in Christ? Well, Jesus goes on to discuss in verse 34, Jesus says, Then the king will say to those on his right, which are the sheep, Come, to you, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And then the king will reply, saying, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So let's unpack this a little. Jesus lists out these acts of mercy and kindness, feeding the hungry, giving someone a drink who is thirsty, inviting a stranger in your home, clothing the needy, helping the sick. Um, in one of the study texts I read, it, it says about this parable, the parable describes acts of mercy we all can do every day. These acts do not depend on wealth, ability, or intelligence. They are simple acts freely given and freely received which I, I love the way they describe that. Um, but the acts that are listed specifically in this parable, while they're important, they really aren't the focal point of what Jesus is saying. Because Christians or not, there are people all around the world who are doing some of these acts that were described in this parable. But what is so important and, and what we cannot miss about this parable is verse 40, and I'll, I'll reread it again. The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So the question we see here is not, what was the list of works you did? Give me, give me the rundown. I need to know everything you did. No, the question is, are you treating each person you encounter as if he or she were Jesus? And listen, this is no easy task. Um, I've failed at this for sure. I sometimes even find myself yelling at people on the drive to church while I'm on, <laughs> while I'm on the expressway. Um, and, and we're not going to always get it right, but we're called to be children of God. And as we stay connected in a relationship with God, our lives are transformed by the sacrifice and saving grace of Jesus. And we demonstrate that by what we believe and the way we act towards others while here on earth. When, when following Jesus, our hearts are just naturally directed towards acts of kindness 
because of the ultimate act that Jesus displayed on the cross for us. One website put it this way about the parable. The good works mentioned in the parable are not the cause of salvation, but they're the effect of salvation. As Christians, we become like Christ. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is, it is the gift of God, not by your works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepares in advance for us to do. Jesus stepped down from heaven and lived this blameless life here on earth and died for our sins to be forgiven. Like Ephesians says, it is a gift, salvation. And through that act, our lives are transformed. And when you believe and you act like Jesus, mercy and kindness become a natural response because we are new creations within Christ. That is our new nature. That is our new normal once we've received Christ as our Savior. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 10, 40, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Your actions towards others are your actions towards God. And remember, this, this parable is about the kingdom of God specifically. Jesus speaking about future judgment. So what does this mean? Well, Ephesians makes it real clear what it means. Works cannot save us. There's no amount of works or deeds or, or to-do lists, the things that check off that will save us. The salvation is a gift. But that also doesn't mean that what we do or do not do here while on earth doesn't matter. The parable shows to the sheep it has an eternal impact. There is a reward in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. But it's also an important aspect for us to, to believe that what, what we do brings to life what we believe. They can't be separated. As we await the return of Christ, we await it with an alive faith, a faith where our beliefs match our actions. In James, starting in 2.14, James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you say to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. The sheep in this parable demonstrate an alive faith, a faith that is connected to their love of Jesus. It's a faith that we see is an unbreakable connection between what they believe and what they do. James Montgomery Boyce says this, We are not justified by works. But if we do not have works, we are not justified. We are not Christians. This gift we, we have, we are saved by grace of God, and we're made new, and we're made to behave and act new, and it's a freeing to know that through Christ, we 
have this urge to follow with love, kindness, and mercy. And there's so many different influences in this world that, that it will thrust upon you to believe and act like. This world or our culture will say, believe and act like what you saw on that TV show. Or believe and act like the stereotype you think you are. Or believe and act like what you're saying you are. Or believe and act like what you're seeing others do in the news or, or online. But we don't need to believe those lies. We find our truth through Jesus, through God's word. And the parable doesn't just end there. Jesus con continues in verse 41. Jesus says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The goats didn't see the opportunity to show God's love. Their beliefs and actions weren't aligned. They were mismatched. And now their eternity is complete separation from God, as it said, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The goats claim to know God, but their lives, their actions, the way they operated didn't show that they truly knew him. Do you know God today? Because there's an important truth we need to see here. We cannot expect to get away with giving excuses to God. He's God. Like, did you see their excuse? They said, when did we see you? They complained, we, we did not see you, Jesus, standing there when you were needy. And, and to Jesus, that's no excuse at all. And, and I want to remind you again, that it's not these specific acts that are important that are, are talked about in this parable. Um, there are people who, believe it or not, are, could be doing this. They could be donating clothes or donating to the poor. But what is at the core of this parable is how you show the love of God based on your belief in Jesus. And as you serve him while on earth. And this morning we're reading words of Jesus and he's challenging us. He's challenging Christians. Do you truly know me? Are you living like you know me? So how are we to put this in practice. Well, I want to read something in Colossians that Paul said in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. It says, so then just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. This way about that passage, Paul uses the illustration of our being rooted just as a plant draws nourishment from the soil through their roots. We draw our life-giving strength from Christ. The more we draw from him, the less, will we, the less we will be fooled or entangled by those who falsely claim to have life's answers apart from Christ. What we put into practice 
and our actions towards other are based on us staying rooted in Christ. Or, or another way of saying it, the fruit reveals the root. The fruit, our actions, reveals how you are rooted day to day. So the fruit of the goats revealed that they weren't rooted in Christ. They may have claimed to know Jesus, but they, they didn't. You know, we'll look at their social posts, their bank statement, their calendars, and it would have, you would have seen they were rooted to themselves. And it all starts at the root, because the root is what is determining your actions, the fruit. And if you want to know what you're rooted to, look at the fruit of your life. The root is what is so important. The root is what matters. So to ask ourselves, how do we stay rooted in Christ? One of the, the, the passages that we read in Colossians had three words that stood out that I think are really important for staying rooted in Christ. And the first word that Paul mentioned was continue. So we, we read earlier, salvation is not by works. It is a free gift from the sacrifice of Christ. But knowing God and accepting the Lord as your Savior is not the end. It's the beginning, especially on your walk here, your spiritual journey on earth. We don't just stop at being saved and then go on our way. We continue. We continue to learn more about God. We continue to stay more connected to Jesus and what he did for us. And then the second word was strengthen. You know, God tells us to work out our salvation. And there are beautiful different Christian practices that will strengthen our root in Christ. Here, here are just a few examples. Spending time in God's word. Carving out that daily time for prayer. Just sitting in silence in God's presence. Financial giving. Serving others. These are all just a few examples that we could do to just maintain our strength and root in Christ. And then the third word was overflow. And overflow is really the evidence of the root. It is the evidence, it is the fruit, it is the evidence of our staying rootedness in Christ. And it's us just providing love, mercy, kindness, and, thank, and thanksgiving for what Christ did for us for what Christ is doing through us. And let me remind you, we get to live this way because of Christ. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. Our response is born out of his love. And there are so many ways that you can show the fruit of your root, even here at Blaze Church. We've had an incredible faithful team who's been doing outreach at Alive on 25 just around the corner. And it's been incredible because they're in, a, they're in the midst of just everyone walking down the street and we're just showing the love of Jesus. We're showing, our, we're showing the fruit of us staying rooted in Christ. Just ex telling people that they are not alone. Telling people that they are loved. That, 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 that Jesus loves them. And there's still many opportunities to serve at Alive on 25 as it continues in August. And then we have our growth track. We've, we announced it not too long ago, about a month ago. Um, and the growth track is just an incredible way for you to not only learn about Blaze, but learn where are there opportunities that fit your, 
just your the way you operate and where can you serve amongst Blaze on Sundays. And it's simple. You don't have to show up at a class. You do it right on your phone or right online, and it's self-paced. We've had people been taking growth track and learning where can they best serve on a Sunday. So the question I want to leave with you this morning is, do your beliefs match your actions? Is the fruit matching where you're rooted? And I'll be the first to raise my hand and say it's not always easy to walk it out. But I also know what God's word says. And it says to just plant your feet on his word, to stay rooted in Christ, to use Christ as our foundation. And then our natural response will be love. Our natural response will be kindness. It will be mercy. I want to invite the worship team back up. And I'd love to pray for us this morning because we're about to sing a song that declares us we love you. Our love for Jesus. And as we sing this, I want the Holy Spirit to to just show us, are these just words we're reading off the screen? Or is this a truth in our lives? Let's ask him as we worship to empower us, to show us not only here on Sundays, but how we can show the love of God as we go about our weeks, as we go around our neighborhoods, as we as we just operate day to day, as we operate on the dream team here at Blaze Church, that we truly love Jesus, that our lives show that we know him. So I want to pray this morning. Father God, we thank you for this, this beautiful opportunity to, to serve you, Lord. You've given this free gift of salvation that we didn't deserve, but you gave it to us anyway. And we have this just this complete connection with, with God, Lord, that we can, we can call on your name no matter where we are, Lord, that we have your Holy Spirit with us, guiding us and helping us, Lord. Lord, you know each and every one of our situations this morning, God. And I pray that you show us opportunities where we can be more rooted in your Son, Lord, where we can find time and make it a priority to be with Jesus, to learn more about what he did on earth and his love and his love for us so that we can show that love, that kindness, that mercy to others while we live here with an alive faith on earth, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.